Good morning. Uh, well, hey, listen, um, when you came in, there are a couple of uh, pieces of paper on the chairs. All right, so you're, I, I think we did every other. So there are some on the chairs. Maybe I put some on the chairs because I was like, maybe some people want these, maybe they don't. But there's more uh, on the back tables right here. I wanted to put something um, in your hands this morning. Um, I have this devotional that sits on kind of, I got my like coffee chair. Everybody's got their coffee chair. It's like my coffee chair where I drink my coffee early in the morning before the rest of the house uh, gets crazy. And I have this uh, little side table and sitting on my side table, I have this devotional. It's Morning and Evening uh, by Charles Spurgeon. I don't know if anybody's has that, has heard of that. If you don't, you should absolutely, totally get it. Full confession, uh, it's not an everyday thing for me. Um, I miss a whole lot of days uh, in this devotional, but it's kind of my book that I have there that I will pick up if I just need, uh, if I just need something, um, either morning or evening. And so on January 1st, surprisingly, I've never picked it up on January 1st. So never have I been like, ooh, I'm going to try and read this whole thing. It's never happened. But on January 1st, this year, um, I picked up this devotional. I shared it with our staff um, on Monday, uh, and it's the, it was the evening one. And, uh, and so I kind of wanted to put it in y'all's hands. I don't know if you want it, but if you want, you can just, we're not going to talk about it, but you can just tuck it in your Bibles, and maybe sometime this week you can open it up. And it talks about uh, beginning the year from, from January to December, uh, this passage of Scripture of be glad and rejoice, which he talks about is blessedness upon blessedness. And so I just wanted to, I wanted to put that in your hands. That is like, I want to live that out. I want to live that out. It kind of, it kind of really uh, sparked something for me um, when I read it. So you can grab that. On the back of that uh, are some passages of scripture. As we talk about loving others this morning, there's some passages of scripture there. If you want to dig in a little bit deeper to what we're talking about, you're welcome to do that. Um, I just put that there for you for a resource. So if you don't have one, you can grab them, um, but tuck those in your Bibles and take them. Well, love hearing the, um, the update uh, about our Ethiopia team. Um, I do, I was uh, talking with our um, Peru mission team, mission contacts uh, this week, and they sent me a little update. Uh, the week after Thanksgiving, our high school uh, took a night to go out and go caroling for Cusco. Do y'all remember this? Uh, and so some of y'all maybe sent a group of our high school students to go Christmas caroling um, to some houses or to some friends, maybe to your own house. Um, that's good too. And so we, uh, we had an amazing night. There were some incredible stories uh, that came from this night of going caroling. Um, we had one house, I may, have already, I may have already told you all this, but we had one house where the group went to the wrong house, okay? Um, that was not my fault uh, at all, by the way. But the group went to the wrong house. They show up to this house, they knock on the door. This um, lady answers the door, and she is terrified, right, because there's this group of students at her door, okay? And she opens the door, and this group of students just starts singing Christmas carols, okay? And she just, she kind of stands there, a little bit wide-eyed, kind of like, what is happening right now? But she just goes with it. Um, and when they finished, the students were like, um, hey, um, so-and-so, and said her name. And she was like, wait a second, that's not me. I, you're, you're at the wrong house. And they were like, oh my goodness, what? Uh, what do we do now? And the ladies, they started to walk off. She said that the house you're looking for is two, two houses down. And they started to walk off. And she goes, hey, can you just sing one more? Can you sing one more? And so they sang another one. And when they finished, she said, you have no idea how much you blessed me and how much I needed this. Coolest story. So that night we had the opportunity uh, to bless some families. But it goes, what I love about this is it goes even deeper than that. Um, to 
our mission partners, and to the people of Peru that I love dearly. We got to bless families. We also had the chance to bless our ministry partners in Peru. And so he was telling me just how amazing it was. He sent me updates. So this is what we got to be a part of. We got to be a part of um, blessing people here, loving others here. We also got to be a part of this here in Peru. And so Pastor Ruben and their church were able to provide gifts, share a meal, and share the gospel with these kids and these families um, on a night where they brought everybody together. And my girls were like, they're so happy. And, um, and so incredible night. We doubled the goal that we had uh, to provide for the church. So we also got the opportunity to provide for uh, the community of Piscawata, which is way up in the mountains of Peru. Um, and so Pastor Ruben and his church, they do missions. We get, to go, we get to go serve them, but they go and they serve this other community up in the mountains um, as well. And so this community of Piscawata, uh, the little church there that they're starting, uh, this community, the kids, they got an opportunity. Um, they got gifts. They got um, a meal. And they got to hear the gospel. This, this community, Piscawata, <clears throat> one year, it was probably four or five years ago, the group that we took were, was the first group that this school right here allowed to come in and share the gospel, ever. It's the cool, it was the coolest thing ever to know that we were, we were on the ground, a, a group of people that had probably never heard the name of Jesus, and we got to share it with those kids. So um, I'll, just, I'll just say this, thank you for your generosity. Um, thank you for being a generous church. Thanks for joining into the craziness of the youth ministry ideas that we have sometimes to go caroling. So I'll say thank you. Um, it is having an impact, and we together are loving others. So um, thank you for that. Let me do this. Let me pray for us uh, before we get into our topic of loving others uh, this morning. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Um, thank you for who you are. Thank you for uh, the clarity in your word. Thank you for what you call us to. Thank you for the opportunity to love those around us in this room right here. As hard as, that, as hard as and as challenging that can be sometimes, thanks for the opportunity to love those here right around us. God, thanks for the opportunity and the challenge that you have given us to walk out these doors and love those around us, to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And God, thank you that even in that, we get the chance to go and love kids and families in Ethiopia and Peru and to celebrate who you are and the good news of you. So God, this morning, would you just allow us to see um, the beauty in our call to love others and those around us. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, um, let's start here. So um, John Bloom, I stumbled across this uh, this week. John Bloom is uh, an author. He's the co-founder of Desiring God Ministries alongside John Piper. And so John Bloom, uh, on their website, he writes quite a few of their articles. I want to read this for you as I stumbled um, upon this. It says, the most loving thing that we can do for others is love God more than we love them. For if we love God most we will love others best. Let me read the last part again. Just let that sink in for a second. If we love God most, we will love others best. You know, sometimes when I read a quote like this, it takes me a while that I have to like, I have to just sit in it for a couple days because I almost want to challenge. I don't know if y'all do this, but I almost want to challenge a lot of things in it to go, what? I don't know if I believe that. Let me think on this for a second. And then, 
uh, and then my whole mindset is changed. If we love God most, we will love others best. This has to be the starting point before we even begin to consider the command and encouragement to love others. This is where we have to start. Matt talked about this last week. To love God, the first and greatest commandment, to love God, we have to start there. Paul's prayer to the church of Ephesians. Now, I'll tell you this. So I, you're welcome. I did put some of the scripture on the screen. Not all of it, but some of it, okay? And I will also tell you this. Over, under, maybe about 25 passages of scripture we're going to be digging into this morning, okay? So we do have a lot. I've never gotten an email that has said you use too much scripture. So we're just going to stick right there, and we're going to stay in scripture, kind of bounce around, see a lot of different places. Because as I was studying and looking through, where does scripture say uh, and encourage us to love others? There is not a lack of passages about loving others. It is all over scripture. So plenty of material, tons of content uh, for our morning. We're going to start in Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. This is Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus. You've probably heard this before. We we've, we've, uh, read this pretty often, but I want to kind of sit down right in the middle of uh, this prayer and talk about this for a second as we begin. If we love God most, we will love others best. Paul prays this, He says in 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray, it's Paul's prayer, that you, that you would be rooted and established in love. That you would be rooted and established in love and may may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ and to know This love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So in Paul's prayer, what he's saying that he's saying, his prayer is that these people, his people, the people in Ephesus would be rooted, set down, established, firmly planted to have a firm foundation in Love in their understanding of God's love for us that he would send his son. He prays, being rooted and established in love, that you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp, grasp the beauty of God's love. All right? There's an interesting thing in here. He says that you would be able to understand it, though you're not going to be able to understand it. Okay? Think about that for a second. That you would be able to understand it, but you're really not going to fully understand it. Okay? And so he's praying this for them. Now, I got to think that when they were back there, and I think when I think about Paul's letters to the churches, I think about the church kind of circling up, huddling up together, and they take Paul's manuscript, this letter that he sent him, and they're like, y'all, listen, come on, Paul, Paul's written to us. And they sit down and they read it together. And Paul's telling them his prayer. And I got to think when the people of God heard that you would understand God's love but you're never fully going to understand it. I got to think that his people didn't go, oh, well then, should I even try? Should I even try to understand God's love if I'm really never going to understand it? Because it surpasses understanding, do we stop going after it? Now, think about this for a second. Isn't it interesting how the creation of YouTube has changed people's confidence? Have you ever thought about that? 
The creation of YouTube has changed people's confidence. It has caused people who know nothing about a subject to, to think that they have all the knowledge that they can go after something. Have you ever heard somebody say that? Oh, how'd you do that? Oh, YouTube, you know? You just, we just get on YouTube now. How do I change brakes, you know? And, and I remember I was riding in the car with somebody, and um, the time before, their brakes sounded terrible, all right? And I pointed that out to them in a very loving way. But um, your brakes, you need to change them. And so finally, the next time I got in the car, brakes sounded normal and braking felt normal. And I said, okay, so you listened to me, you know? And uh, he was like, yeah, yeah, I did. Okay, so you got them fixed. He was like, yeah, YouTube. And I was like, oh, so like, you know, have you done auto mechanics before? No, YouTube. And I was like, you let me out of the car right now. I like... How do you have confidence to change brake pads and you know nothing about, well, this guy posted a video and so, you know, I, I changed them. And so YouTube has kind of taken, we know nothing about something and we put full confidence in it and we almost use YouTube as like something that we study. And yet God has given us his word to understand the depths of his love through his son, Jesus and how would we miss, how would we miss going after this, studying this, understanding this, learning more daily about who he is and how he loves us? So I got to think when Paul prays this, when the, when the church at Ephesus is reading this, they're going, oh, yeah, we want to know it more. We may not fully understand it, but, but we're going to try. We're going to go after it. That's what Paul was praying for the church. And we've been given his word why do we stop? Why should we stop to know the love of Christ? If we love God most, we will love others best. Last week, we opened this three-week series on the things that we want to be about. The things that we want to be about as a church. Nothing has changed here. We want to solidify the heart behind what God has called us to do as a faith family. We want to solidify that, and we want to go after that. In case you missed what Matt said last week, we're going to jump back in. We'll start at Matthew 22, 37 through 39. If you've got your Bibles, let's go there. Matthew 22, 37 through 39. This is um, the greatest commandment. A teacher of the law asks uh, Jesus, kind of challenges Jesus, what is, the, what is the greatest law? What is the greatest commandment of the law? And Jesus responds with this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself and all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. The importance of that second command is like the first, but the first is the greatest. The first is loving God with every ounce of who you are, heart, soul, mind. There is not an ounce missing. The greatest commandment is that you go after God, that you understand him and his love with everything that you have. And the second, which follow, it follows that first one for a very specific reason. If God is not the love of our life, there is no way that we will truly be able to love our neighbor as ourself, like he calls us to. 
Listen, loving your neighbor can be hard enough. But when he says, love your neighbor as yourself, I've always been curious why the need to throw those last two words in there, love your neighbor as yourself. This phrase as yourself, it kind of gets me every time. It really, as I've kind of studied it, it takes the love that we have for others to a whole nother level. When we think about the way that we love ourselves, the speed at which we love ourselves, right? We would choose ourselves over most people. That is kind of sin nature in us. You think about the things around us in our world right now. It's like one of the things that breaks my heart for middle school, high school students is the things around the culture around them that screams, you, you, you. And for other people, it's me, me, me. For Christmas, uh, we got our girls a Nintendo Wii. All right, and I know this is old. I know the Nintendo Wii is old. Okay, we made the decision. We're going to start real low, you know. You know, just lower those expectations. I was going to get a Sega Genesis, but I didn't want to get too made fun of. But so, so we started them real low. So you get the Nintendo Wii, and I would love to say they unboxed it, but Facebook Marketplace is just really a great opportunity. So we gave used gifts. If you have something against that, I'm sorry. But we gave used gifts, and so they get the Wii, and they open it up, and they start. What is the first thing you do when you turn the, the Wii on? It's like your new, new first time with the Nintendo Wii. What's the first thing that you do? You have to what? You have to what? Yeah, you have to create this little character that is you. So you can, you know, play Mario Kart as you. But the reality is, what is the character called? It's a me. You have to create your me, you know? So, uh, you know, my girls, they don't, they don't think anything of it, but the pastor in me was coming out. And I was like, oh, okay. I see where you're taking us here, you know? You, gotta, you make this little character that looks exactly like you. Mine was a little bit better looking than me, but you make this character that looks exactly like you, and it's all about you, and you focus, and so... It was just really interesting. Our world pushes us to focus more and more on self, yet the second greatest commandment, it's honestly trying to draw us out of the second greatest commandment that says, love your neighbor as yourself, right? Put the focus that you put on yourself, use that, and love those around you. And that is a challenge. This morning, focus on loving others. We're going to find it in the truth of scripture, and it's all over scripture, the blueprint of his love for us, and then the second greatest to love others is all throughout scripture. Um, on the back of those devotionals, uh, I put probably, probably eight or nine um, chapters of scripture that just deal heavily on loving others. And so if there's something about this that you want to dig deeper into, I encourage you to grab one of those. This morning, we're going to um, I want us to set down in 1 John 4, 7 through 21. Now, we know uh, if you've ever read 1 John, looked through 1 John, um, there is a heavy focus on love and the connection between God's love for us, his son Jesus, and then our role to love others. Okay? And so we're going to look at 1 John 4, 7 through 21 this morning. Now, you're going to love this. I did put this one on the screen, okay? So it will be up there, uh, although I did hear some pages turning. So go ahead and turn to the pages. Now, as we look through these passages, I think you're going to notice three key truths. We're just going to set down right in these three key truths 
um, this morning. And these truths about loving others are this. Number one is that God is our source. When it comes to loving others, God is our source. Number two, when uh, Jesus is our example. Jesus, our example. All throughout scripture, the example that we have been given is Jesus himself is the example of selfless, sacrificial love that Jesus exemplifies by uh, going to the cross, dying for us so that we uh, would have life. The third one is this, is that love is our sign. Love is our sign. Loving others is actually the symbol to a broken world that we know Jesus and that we know his love, all right? So God, our source, Jesus, our example, and love, our sign. I've done this with our students a couple times. I'm gonna put the passage of scripture up on the screen, but I've highlighted in this big chunk of scripture, just like that, I've highlighted the places where we see that God is our source, places where we see that Jesus is our example, and places that we see love is our sign. Now, for some people, this might be super helpful. It's helpful for me, but I recognize for some people, this might give you a headache, okay? So maybe you can just go to your Bible and read there. But I'm gonna have Philip uh, Davidson, he agreed. Uh, maybe he didn't agree, maybe I forced him to read. But Philip's gonna stand up, and Philip's gonna uh, read this scripture for us. And so, Philip, we'll kind of read, not slow, but not too slow. Uh, and so we can kind of focus on the words that are being said here. You ready, Philip? Go for it. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love God does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If everyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever loves, lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Thanks, Philip. Appreciate it. You know, when you read this chunk of scripture all together, it, you can almost see these uh, individual passages of scripture that sometimes we pull out of this big bulk of scripture that we love because he first loved us and, and passages like that. We want to kind of dig into some of this. Did you see those three themes all throughout that? I mean, you see these three uh, themes of how God views 
um, the love that we have for others, the love that he has for us by sending his son the example. So let's, let's walk through these three real quick. I don't want to, we're not going to, we can't spend a ton of time in each one of these, but I want to just point these out. And really what I want to do is I want to give about four or five passages of scripture for each one of these, that God is our source, that Jesus is our example, and that love is our sign. So I'm going to give you four or five passages of scripture. If you need to take a picture, whatever, ask me afterwards. If you want to kind of dig into those a little bit more, you're welcome to, but we're going to talk about those. Number one is this, God is our source. John 15, 5 says this, says, I am the vine and you are the branches. We know this passage of scripture. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm the vine, you, and the, you are the branches. Remaining, abiding in him, that we would produce fruit because apart from him, we can do nothing. God is our source. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the spirit, and I'm just going to read the first one. The fruit of the spirit is love. The fruit of the spirit is love. The, the evidence of God's presence in us is love. And his presence doesn't just stay in there, but no, it overflows onto people. It is in such a way, it grows out of us so that people enjoy it. The fruit of the Spirit is love. 1 John 3, 24 says this, The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the Spirit that he gave us. We know it by the spirit that he gave us. People will see in us the overflow of his spirit in us. God is our source. We cannot do this without him. 1 John 4, 16, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And then I want to focus on this one for just a minute. 1 John 4, 7 says this, couldn't be more clear. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. That that part is really important. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. C.S. Lewis, he has a book called Four Loves. And for some reason, this this topic has always uh, interested me. Um, This book, Four Loves, he breaks down the four main Greek words for love, right? So in the Greek language, right, one of the, the languages that the word of God was originally translated in, if you go back, you can sometimes get a better picture of maybe some of the words that we have. So in the English language, we have one word for love. Do you know what it is? It's love. Okay, that's a, that wasn't a trick question. It's love, okay? And in the Greek language, they have even more. But four uh, specifically, back then they had... Um, four. All right. I'm, now I'm gonna. I'm gonna, this. The quiz is about to get really hard. Okay. What are these four uh, Greek words for love that we see throughout Scripture? Do I know? Okay. I mean, that's like the that's like the answer, Jesus. You know, like you, we know agape. We've got the agape love. Yes. So first one, agape love. What about the next one? What is it? Eros, okay? Eros is uh, kind of translated as this like romantic love, okay? We're not going to talk about that one this morning. That's a different sermon, different day, okay? Eros, romantic love. What about the next one, third one? What is it? Philadelphia, Philadelphia phileo love. That's where you get Philadelphia from, the city of what? Brotherly love. Phileo is this brotherly love, talking about the love that uh, two brothers would have. 
okay? And what about the fourth? Come on. Come on, you can be better than the 915. No? Okay. All right. Um, so the fourth one is this. Fourth one is storge. Storge is uh, the, word, the Greek word for love that, that means familial love. This family love, the love that a family has together. Like around Christmas time, you know? I'm just kidding. I'm not going to talk about Christmas. But storge is that familial love. These are the four. All right, now here's where the test gets a little bit more difficult. In Scripture, do you know which one, what the root word is, uh, whenever God is talking about his love for us, do you know what word he uses? Now we can talk, you know. We're a family. You can, you can say it. What is it? What is it, Casey? It's agape. Agape. When God in Scripture says that he loves us, that he sent his son for us, that love is agape love. Agape love is a selfless, sacrificial love that he would do anything for us, that he would give of himself and of his son for us. It is agape love. Now, how about this? Going to get a little bit more difficult. Which one of these four Greek words is the root for our love for God? The love that God calls us to have for him. What do you think is the root word whenever that's used in scripture? Yeah, it's agape. It's the same. Good way to go. Come on, bonus points. It's agape. God has agape love for us, selfless, sacrificial love for us, and he calls us to give up everything for him, to lay down our cross and follow him and love him. The word that, that is used there is agape. Question number three, what about our love for others? What's the root word that is used in scripture of our love, the love that we have for others? What is it? The word is agape. Now listen, we want it to be phileo, right? Because that would be way easier, you know? Phileo, that might, that might be that brotherly love. We might be able to accomplish that on our own. But agape love, the love that we have for others, the same love that God has for us, that can only be accomplished when God is the source. So when you see in scripture, it is the same kind of love that God has for us. I'll show you this real quick. I'm not a Greek scholar. Maybe I should have gotten Lori up here. I, you're, Lori, you're probably a Greek scholar, aren't you? Just, yeah, you are. Okay. Uh, okay, so um, I'm just trying not to butcher this, okay? I took uh, Greek. I didn't get very far. But anyway, um, this, is, uh, this, is, this is what it says. In the Greek translation, I want you to see this. In the Greek translation for our 1 John 4, 7 passage it says this, I'm going to try and pronounce it. It's agapomen alelos, okay? That's that top word that maybe most of us really can't, I can't even understand. But that's that top word, okay? You see it? What is that root word right at the beginning? It's agape. The root is agape. That we should love one another with an agape love, right? And then you go down, that love comes from God. Try this one, agape ectutheo is that love comes from God. The same root of the love that God has for us is the love that we have for those around us. That's pretty big. I think, I think we want to be able to accomplish this on our own, but all throughout Scripture, it tells us that God is our source. If we want to love somebody, can't do it. 
not in the way that God calls us to, not in the way that he commands us to. You just can't do it. And so because of that, it's beautiful. God says, love others because of me. me, me in you and through you, that is how you accomplish that love. Love one another for love comes from God. Number two is this, Jesus is our example. All right, let me give you four passages of scripture, five passages of scripture for Jesus as our example. In John 13, 14 through 15, he says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. You remember this? Oh man, I love this passage of scripture. When Jesus is in there with his disciples, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. This example, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you, the most incredible act of love and service up to that point. All right, next one, Ephesians 5, 2, and walk. Paul says, and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us, there's the example, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, Ephesians 5, 2. About 1 John 3, 16 says this, this is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. That is the example, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Example, follow in it. 1 John 4, 9 through 10, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and did what? He sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And we'll kind of sit down in this passage of scripture right here. John 15, 12 says, my command is this, simple, love each other as I have loved you. Love each other as I have loved you. Now, these were some of Jesus' final words to his disciples. And when I think about this, right, so they're, they're, um, they're in the room, washed his disciples' feet, and then he talks to them for a bit. And these are some of his words to love each other as I have loved you. You know what's amazing? Like, I started thinking about that uh, this week. We can't even fathom all the different ways that Jesus expressed his love to his disciples while he was here on earth. We have the four gospels and we have a beautiful picture and a beautiful connection and story in the four gospels. But can you think about all the time that wasn't represented there that maybe Jesus had these little moments where he loved his disciples in ways that we don't even know about? That he, instead of going and doing what he wanted to do, gave his time to then love and shepherd and lead and care for the disciples. There's so many in scripture that we probably don't even know about. And he says, love God as I have loved you. We can't even fathom all those ways. And I think Jesus is also hoping here when he says this, love each other as I have loved you. So I see the disciples getting this picture of like all these different moments that Jesus has loved them. But then Jesus also had in mind that, this, that the disciples would remember this passage after he was on the cross, crucified, and resurrected. That the disciples would remember Wow, Jesus said to love each other as he loved us. And what did he do for us? He gave his life for us. And that's the way that he wants us to have, this love that he wants us to have. The disciples, with God as their source, would seek to live a selfless, sacrificial love, just like the example that they have. Love each other as I have loved you. The last one is this. This one's hard. This one's really hard. Love is our sign. Love is our sign. 
John 15, 8, here's six passages of love is our sign. Different times in scripture where we see this. John specifically writes a lot about this. John 15, 8, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Remember the fruit? All right, through the power of the Spirit that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. It's this outward, it's this outward sign that we are his disciples. John 15, 16 through 17, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. That's the sign. That is the fruit. 1 John 3.10 says this. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. 1 John 3.14. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. It's a sign. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Last one. Second to last one. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. And then last one, we'll focus on this. John 13, 34 through 35 says this. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. 35, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I mean, I'm so grateful that I get to uh, teach on this because it could not be more clear cut. These passages of scripture could not be more clear for us. A new command I give you, love one another, and they will know that you are his disciples by your love. Now he says, this is a new commandment. What's new about this commandment? Right, Because when we look in Old Testament, we see all the passages of Scripture about love the Lord your God. So we see that. We know that loving God is a huge part of that. It has been from the Old Testament. So what is it about this new covenant? And loving God was not new. But loving God through the example and with the example of Christ, that is the new, that's the newness of the command. It's now love the Lord your God as Christ loved. And when you look at the last verse, That is what should be different about Christ followers. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It is this distinguishing characteristic of those who follow him, those who are pursuing him, those who are understanding his love for them on a deeper level day after day. It is this characteristic that will define them. John Bloom, he goes on to say this, our love for each other is an indicator of the place that God is holding in our hearts. Our love for each other is an indicator of the place that God is holding in our hearts. It is love, loving others. It is our sign to the world that we are following Jesus. It should be. By this, everyone will know. Well, I want to... Still not, still not done. We still, we're still, we're going to jump into Paul's, uh, Paul's letter to the church at Corinth real quick. So if you got your Bibles, this one is not on the screen. I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians 13, and we're going to start at 1 through 3. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. I want you to see what Paul says here. Now, in chapter 12, we see uh, Paul kind of explaining the unity in the body, that, that all the gifts of believers come together 
to form unity so that they can be used for the building up of his kingdom. So, so we are unified. We uh, have these gifts that he's given us. We're using these gifts. But there's one key piece that Paul then works into all of this. The mo- really, the most important piece here. So Paul's writing to the church in Corinth. Let's read 1 Corinthians 13, um, 1 through 3. And I'm going to back it up a little bit just to that kind of that love part. And yet, I will show you the most excellent way. All right? Paul, again, think about it. He's talking about all these gifts. Wow, everybody working together, together, together. They're working. They're doing things for the kingdom. They're accomplishing things. They're being a church. They're unified. And Paul says, and yet, in all those things, the gifts are good. The, the, the unity is good, but in all those things, I will show you the most excellent way. 13.1, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. There's a, do you see the key piece in here? There's a key piece. Now, this is really interesting. Paul is saying that if love isn't present, then we have fully missed it. If love, the sign, is not present, then we have fully missed it. Now, confession, when Paul is writing this to the church in Corinth, now, I don't know if it's this overarching teaching, like he is um, kind of saying, hey, this is just a reminder. Everything we talked about, it was good, but this is just a reminder. You can do all these things, but if you don't have love, then it's nothing. You gain nothing. So I don't know, um, I don't know if it's just this overall generalization or if the church in Corinth was actually This is actually what they were after. Like they were after all these other things and love was the part that they were missing. So when you think about this, the church at Corinth, other churches, think about this, spiritual gifts were present. Spiritual gifts were present. The body was living out their gifts. Knowledge of him was present. Like they knew the word. They knew theology. They knew the answers. Knowledge of him was present. Deep faith was present. They were putting their faith in him. In this church, they were putting their faith in him. Material sacrifice was present. They were giving of the ways that they had been blessed. Material sacrifice was present. But if love is not permeating through all of this, you guys, then we've missed it. He's saying to the church, If you can have all of these things, this could be the most amazing church ever, but if love is not permeating all those things, then you've missed it, and it means nothing. So so I got to this point, and I was like, uh, to my wife, Janice, I was like, sweetheart, will you just kind of read through it and tell me what you think, you know? Um, And I let her read it, and she read it, and she was like, "Um, hey, it sounds pretty good. In a, nice, in a nice way, she, she said that. It, you know, sounds pretty good. And I was like, well, so I think I close it there. She was like, we, I mean, I love you, sweetheart. You know, it's kind of that. Uh, but where's the practical? Where's the practical uh, in all of it? How, how, do we, how do we love others? And I was like, yeah, you're so right. You're so right. 
And thanks for letting me keep the Christmas stuff up. So she's like, where is the practical in this? So what's the practical? And it's the second part of this passage. Now here's the thing. This is like, this is like the wedding passage, you know? We, we have taken this passage of scripture and we have placed it on like the marriage ceremony, you know? 1 Corinthians 13, it's what they read at weddings, which is a beautiful thing for husband and wife. Only it's not just intended for husband and wife. It's intended for the way that we love each other. This passage of scripture is actually intended for the way that we love each other. And we attach this to that sacred relationship because maybe it just seems way too hard to live out 1 Corinthians 13 in our day-to-day, right? That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty over the top. And yet, is that not what distinguishes us as disciples of Jesus? So we're going to read this, and you're going to think about the last wedding that you went to. But if you can, I want you to try and think about it in such a way where God is calling you to love in such a way that embodies these characteristics, not just to your spouse, but to those around you. It says this, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, it does not boast, love is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. Love always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres, and it never fails. And that, through God as our source, because, I mean, if you can tell me that you can live those out daily without the power of God, I would be shocked. God as our source, Jesus as the example who lived it out, And because of that, they will know that we are his disciples. And I would ask you this question, which of these speaks to you? Like, is there one in here? My guess is there's there's maybe one in here that kind of jumps out. Like, oof, that one's hard. I need to call on God, the source, to live that out. So practically, let me just, this is what it looks like. It looks like patience. It looks like kindness towards others. It looks like contentment, contentment with where God has you. It looks like others focused. It's humility. Love is humility. It looks like a sincere respect for others. It looks like sacrificing self. It looks like being filled with peace. Love is erasing wrongs. That was hard. Love is erasing wrongs. It looks like joy and truth. It looks like protection. It looks like being filled with hope. Love is trusting. Love is persevering. And the hard thing is there's not a YouTube video on that. We, we, don't, have, we don't have a YouTube video for that, but we have been given God our source, Jesus our example, And when we pursue this, when we pursue his story for us and what he's got for us, we begin to change. We begin to see that if we love God most, then we will love others best based on his example. So I would invite you to think about this. How has Jesus loved you? 
how has Jesus loved you? If you're going to love those around you, let's have a full and clear understanding of the ways that Jesus has shown his love to you. If our love flows from knowing the author and creator of love, then the, the encouragement is to pursue Jesus. The encouragement is to go after Jesus, to turn your heart, mind, soul, attitudes, affections, actions, desires, and thoughts, turn all of it towards him. And collectively, we will learn and understand an abundance of love that will splash onto those around us. Now, I don't know about you, but I long for that. Like, I long for that here and in these halls. I actually, I feel like I caught a glimpse of that at our men's study on Friday morning at 6 a.m. We were right here. And man, it was just, it was the joy of the Lord. In, I was a little sleepy, but it was the joy of the Lord in these men who were right here studying about how to pray. God, teach us how to pray. We want to know how to pray. And I experienced that right here. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I long for that here to see the joy and the selflessness of the Lord lived out right here so that God's word would be true and they would know us by, their love, by our love. That we would, they would know us by the way that we love in here, but by the way that we love the world out there. Let's do this. Let's close in prayer and we're going to continue in worship this morning. Father, we give you thanks for your word. There is clarity. There is clarity in your word. And a lot of times we want to see these things. I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can love the way that Jesus loved. But God, your word is clear and it is challenging and it is encouraging. And Father, it's the plan that when we, when we live in such a way that people get a glimpse and a picture of the example of Jesus, through you, God, through the way that you love us, that others will know. And God, I want others to know. Like I want them to see that. I want, I want my life to be a reflection of that. And so God, help us to do that. Help us to understand and comprehend the love that is impossible to fully understand because it is that great. And let us, let us love others with that type of love. God, we thank you for the opportunity um, just to be collectively gathered, open your word, study your word. Thank you for it, God. And we pray, God, that you would be glorified in this church, in our lives individually. We pray that you would be glorified, that you would receive all the glory. And, uh, Father, we pray these things in your name. Amen.